Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon from Seekers Christian Fellowship. We believe that God's Word completes the believer, making them fully equipped men and women of God, ready for every good work. It is our prayer that through this message, you're challenged by the Word of God, built up in love for God and one another, conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. church. We'll do a little tour in a courtyard this morning. We're going to visit that courtyard and see what we can pick up, what we can glean, and then apply to our lives. Let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, uh, we do thank you that you preserve your word for us to be reminded of of some of the things that goes on or many things that went on and to see what you had to go through for us. So Father, we pray as we we look into the scripture and Lord, and uh, we pray and ask to open our eyes, open our minds and apply our hearts so we can able to see what went on and know how much you love us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. If you're following along, In your Bible, as was read, please turn there. Picking up from where we left off last time, from John chapter 18, we observe in verse 4 that Jesus knows all that will happen to him. He's well aware. And this is the first time Jesus' enemy will be able to lay hold of him. To take him in custody and to have a trial that involves both a religious trial and a civil trial. We'll be looking at a religious trial today. Judas, the son of perdition, navigated the way For he knew where his former rabbi would be. And he led the Roman captain along with a band of soldiers and officers from the Pharisees and the temple to arrest Jesus. They came in the night to make the arrest with lanterns, torches, and weapons. The other synoptic gospel pointed out that Judas identified Jesus with a kiss. A greeting of affection It was a custom in that culture. I can imagine it was probably the most uneasy arrest the officers had to make. But to their surprise, Jesus made it easy by identifying himself. The scripture says, when Jesus identified himself in verse 6, they all drew back and fell down, including Judas. The impulsive Peter tried to stop the arrest by taking off one of the officer's ear, which Jesus had to restore. Now, even though they all drew back and fell down, that didn't stop them to make the arrest. 
they had to get their man. They bound Jesus' arms and took him to the former high priest, Annas Courtyard, who was the predecessor of his son-in-law, Caiaphas, for an expedient religious trial. So that's the setting, what's going on here. Now the question that we can ask ourselves, why to the previous high priest Annas residence? Why he had to go there when his son-in-law is the real high priest? Why it's going to him? Well, see, Annas was removed from his high priestly position by the Roman governor and installed Caiaphas, his son-in-law. There are their reasons. Although Annas no longer held office at the time, he was the most powerful figure in the Jewish hierarchy who retained much authority among the Jews. He was powerful. The Jewish people, resentful of the Romans meddling in their religious affairs, still consider Annas to be the true power, especially since according to the Mosaic law, high priests serve for life and should not be removed. That was the law. He was in all probability still operated under his religious obligation, having leverage over the Jews, even though his son-in-law makes the final decision legally when it comes to the Jewish affairs. We ask again, why to Anna's courtyard? Anna's had a vendetta to settle. A private feud to avenge against Jesus. He's taking a personal delight in seeing the one who attacked his vested interest be punished. He had a score to settle with Jesus and now showing his power. When deceitful men and deceitful women pursue evil, they want to eliminate all opposition. And we'll see how this will unfold. The crafty nature of Annas and his practice brought in a significant source of income that came from the concession as the high priest at the temple. He received a share of the proceeds from the business conducted at the temple. Frequently, those animals brought by the worshippers would be rejected and only the animals permitted with an exorbitant price tag would be approved as a sacrificial offering and he get a cut from it. Also, Annas profited from the fees the money changers charged to exchange currency when the worshippers came to Jerusalem to pay temple taxes. He received a percentage. It was so recognized that the outer court of the temple where these transactions took place became known as the Bazaar of Annas. So Annas had a special hatred for Jesus who had twice disrupted his business operation when he cleansed the temple and upturned the business tables and drove them out with a whip. Saying, stop making my father house into a marketplace. 
So Anas is out to get his man. And he's going to do everything he can, along with his son-in-law, to get to Jesus. So Annas, the previous high priest, with a personal vested interest to get his man, Jesus Christ, bring him to me. Now why this informal religious trial by Annas? There's a lot of why we can ask in this portion of scripture. The trial was an attempt to prove Jesus guilty of blasphemy. Making himself equal with God. And heresy teaching against religious orthodoxy, such as it was sacrilegious for him to heal on the Sabbath, and beyond that in many more things. Blasphemy and heresy. It was in the middle of the night, the dark powers that be, in a hurry to complete the execution before the Sabbath and to get on with their Passover celebration. So they were in a hurry. They had to get it done. Both Annas and his son-in-law Caiaphas cared more about their political ambition than about their responsibility to lead the people to God. That was their responsibility. As religious leaders, they have become corrupted as a nation's spiritual leaders. They were not sensitive to God's revelation of honestly evaluating Jesus' claim as Messiah and the Son of God based on their scripture, like what Nicodemus and Joseph did. Nicodemus belonged to the Pharisees. Joseph was to the Sanhedrin group. They are both religious men, but those two, check it out. They didn't intend to do that. They were more interested to get back at Jesus by eliminating him from their space. Now, they should have known the scripture spoke about Jesus and pointed the people to him for their salvation. But they just trying to remove him, which they did. Now, with Jesus now in custody, the narrative shifts to Peter's trial in verses 15 to 18. Why John brought up Peter's denial? In this trial. Well, for one, John was present when Jesus made the prediction about Peter and saw the fulfillment. So he brought it in, in this portion of scripture. Amazing how events work out in God's providence. They are just on time. There might be other reasons but most likely, John was known to the high priest Annas, servants when making delivery probably from their fish business that he did with his father. When Jesus called John and his brother, they left their father with a fishing boat and followed Jesus. Now because of John... Peter got a pass which puts him in a vulnerable position to be questioned. In verse 17, the servant girl at the door said to Peter, You also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? 
Persecution can bring out reactions that may even surprise the persecuted. Persecution can bring out reaction that may even surprise the persecuted. Meanwhile, while that is going on, back inside Anna's residential courthouse, in verses 19 to 24, Jesus is going through the sham religious pretrial, knowing from verse 4 that his fate is already predetermined to be carried out by the evil and wicked men. Back in John 11, 45 to 48, it reads, Therefore many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, that is the resurrection of Lazarus, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called the meeting of the Sanhedrin. Their conclusion was, what are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nations. Caiaphas, who Jesus will go to next in verse 49 to 50, John reports, Then one of them, named Caiaphas, who was a high priest that year, spoke up, You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you, that, that is the Jewish people, that one man dies for the people than the whole nation perish. They had in mind what can happen, what, that Jesus should lead people against the Roman rule. They were scared of that, of course. But ironically... The Jewish leaders will shortly send Jesus to death, and within a generation, the nation and their temple would be destroyed in AD 70. It's going down anyway. Caiaphas, along with the other religious leaders, did not realize the unfolding of their words that God has ordained for salvation. And verse 53, he said, So from that day on, they plotted to take Jesus' life. From that day on, they plotted to take Jesus' life. One theologian commented that the high priest, Caiaphas, was the accredited guardian to the Jewish nation's soul. He had been set apart to be the supreme interpreter and representative of the Most High God. To him was committed the glorious privilege of entering once a year into the Holy of Holies. Yet, this was the man who condemned the Son of God. Isn't that something? Yet, this was the man who condemned the Son of God. So the trials were not an attempt to truly determine whether Jesus is guilty or innocent of a crime. Their purpose was a performance to show he was tried, when in fact it was already decided one man should die. Now, rather than bringing a charge and producing the evidence for Jesus' arrest, 
the crafty Annas questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching, trying to get the Lord to testify against himself to justify his death sentence on religious ground. Jewish law protected the accused from being forced to testify against himself. It was Anna's responsibility to inform Jesus of the charges against him and bring forward the witnesses and not the other way around. Jesus' response in verse 20, I have spoken openly to the world. I always taught in the synagogues and at the temple where all the Jews came together. I said nothing in secret. The Lord had not hidden, he had no hidden agenda. He didn't hide anything. He always spoke freely about his connection to God and the mission God sent him on. And in verse 21, he continues, Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. Ask them. The Lord Jesus challenged Annas to follow the legal practices and call the witnesses. Jewish law demanded that witness be called before a prisoner was questioned. Jesus knew his rights. He said, my ministry was carried out openly. I did not hide anything I want to say. I taught in the presence of the Jews, both in the synagogue and in the temple. There was no secrecy. Go ask the people who heard me. Therefore, let the witness be produced, if otherwise. Jesus challenged them in court. In verse 22, when Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby reached out and struck him in the face. A blow with a club had to come to mean a slap in the face. A blow with a club had come to mean a slap in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest? He demanded. He had a point, but used it the wrong reason. For Exodus 22:28 taught, Do not blaspheme God or curse the ruler of your people. Jesus had done neither. If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? The officer did not follow the legal practice. He was curry favoring his high priest. You can imagine as we'll go further, when Jesus will be crucified and the things he'll go through, this office official struck the Lord of glory. He struck the Lord of glory with a club in his face.
the officer struck the Lord of glory. Church, the Lord had the power to do anything to his enemies. But he didn't react. He took it all for you and for me. He took them. The Lord went on in his life as an art. He went and he took a lot of things for us. A lot of things he took for us. So when we face persecution for him, it's not much to stand for in comparison for what he went through for us. Many believers are going through severe persecution in various parts of the world. They are pushed to the extreme to renounce their faith in Jesus. But by the grace of God, the genuine ones are holding out, not renouncing Jesus. They're taking, they're taking that, that pressure and all they're doing to them. If you pay attention to what's happening in the world with Christians, they have been persecuted very much, them and their family. But they hold it on because of the grace of God. He loved us, and when he asked us to love him back by being obedient, it's not much he's asking from us in comparison to what he had to observe in the world for us. If Jesus was wrong with the law, they should inform him rather than to hit him in the face with a club. They did not intend a fair trial towards him. Their trial was a fake, was bogus, and a sham. No grounds to try him on. It was just their religious agenda. They acted as if he posted a threat to the Mosaic laws and the Roman government. They had no real case against him. They were trying to make one up. Show me the man and I will find the charge. That's what they were doing. The religious leaders knew that they had no grounds for charging Jesus. So they tried to build evidence against him using false witnesses. In Mark 14... 55 to 59, the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. But they did not find any. Many testified falsely against him, but their statements did not agree. Then some stood up and gave this false testimony against him. We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with human hands, and in three days will build another, not made with hands. Yet even their testimony did not agree. Jesus is winning this case right through. But the powers of be intend to take him down. Annas, realizing that he cannot get Jesus to go his way, he sent Jesus bound to Caiaphas. The decision priest, high priest. They bound his hands following the arrest protocol. They bung the wrong part of his body. Is if his mouth he has the power. They should have banned his mouth. Meanwhile, back again, in verse 25 to 26, 
Jesus' prediction of Peter is in progress. Here, Peter had another chance to redeem himself. To be honest and courageous, by taking a stand, once again, he denied Jesus. He was in a vulnerable position among the officers warming themselves in the outer courtyard. Though Peter wants to be in the courtyard, I'm not one of his disciples, when they ask him. One falsehood leads to another. Church, when you tell a lie, you have to tell another lie to cover up the previous lie. That's how it goes. Peter concealed his identity by pretending to be one of the men in the group who had taken Jesus captives. Numbers say something about those kind of a way we live our life. Numbers 22, 23. You may be sure that your sin will find you out. You may be sure that your sin will find you out. And that doesn't go for Peter. It goes for all of us. Sin progressively binds the sinner and every failure makes it increasingly difficult to reverse the trend. Such is the weakness of the human nature. Now comes the climax of Peter's trial. Then again, one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man's ear Peter took off in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night when Jesus was arrested, make it worse for Peter. Did I not see you in the garden with him? Oh boy. Peter in trouble again. He continues. Now, being a disciple was not a crime so much as yet. But taking off a man's ear with a weapon, especially one who worked for the high priest, was a crime. Now there is an eyewitness and Peter panicked and denied the Lord a third time. Fear and panic does do something to the best of us when under pressure. We can cave. Now at that very moment, two things happened. The rooster crowed and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Can you imagine what kind of a look that was? When one of your inner circle refused to know you? Can you imagine yourself in that situation being thrown under the bus by someone close to you? It's not a good feeling. It's a lot of pain. Can you imagine that look? Was it a sad look? Or it was a nod? Peter? Peter then remembered the words of his master. Before the rooster crow three times, you will deny me. It's amazing to see how the providence of God works. In the first place, 
Peter gained entrance with John's influence by knowing the high priest's household. Peter's desire is to be with Jesus, overcome, overcame his fear, and he entered the courtyard. Matthew and Mark said that all the disciples fled when Jesus was arrested, but then John and Peter came back and went into the courtyard. The servant girl who kept the door said something that caught Peter by surprise. Are you not one of this man's disciples? I am not. A cowardly denial caught Peter off guard in protecting himself. Why did Peter doubt it when John, also a disciple, had no problem identifying with Jesus in the courtyard? John didn't have no problem. Trying to understand Peter, who loved his rabbi, also committed a crime and trying to evade it by denying his affiliation with Jesus. They all are connected. It's coupled together. Interrelated. Yes, Peter is impulsive, but he's a genuine man with a heart for Jesus. He doesn't say the right thing at times. He doesn't do the right things many times. But he does come up with some doozies. You are the Christ. The son of the most high. God. I want to, de- I want to walk on the water like you, Jesus, Rabbi. Where are you going? I want to come. No, Peter, you can't come. Why I can't come? Even Satan knows Peter's heart and genuineness asks to take him on, to sift him. Satan asks. Satan knows Peter's heart. As you love the Lord, walking with him, most likely you will be sifted in life. You and I are trophies of God's grace. And at times, God will allow Satan to do some sifting in order for us to be tested. To see how genuine we are. How we are growing. How we are developing. God will allow it. The Lord knew Peter more than Peter knew himself. And Peter loved the Lord very much. The Lord protected Peter. By restoring the man's ear, he chopped off at the arrest. Though he said, I'll never deny you, he did. Peter caved under pressure. Something important to note here, too. Peter's denial was not his faith in Jesus, but his relationship to him. The church carries out its mission when followers of Jesus do not hesitate to confess Jesus openly. The crowing of the cock cock was an assurance to Peter and all followers that our Savior is in total control, even though he was bound and being harassed by the authorities. To control 
by singling out one bird in the universe, the crow at the exact time of his trial speaks volume of his sovereignty. Peter has seen Jesus exercise his sovereignty, authority over the storm in the sea. Be quiet, and the storm stood still. Sovereign control over the fish of the sea. Throw your net, guys, even though you were fishing all night and didn't catch anything. Just throw the net, man, out, and they struggle to pull a boatload, a net load of fish. Throw your line out and take the first fish you catch. Open its mouth and you'll find a four drumka coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and your tax. Peter, I've seen all of this. Sovereign control over the animals. You'll find a donkey, untie it, and bring it to me. And here, the sovereign control over a bird to crow at the exact time he wanted it to crow. He's the I am. No wonder they all drew back and fell down at his arrest. Overwhelmed with shame, guilt, and grief at the sins of denial, when Jesus looked at him, our brother Peter went out and wept bitterly. Do you have sorrow when you fail the Lord? Saying, I will live for him, and you don't follow through? He said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Grace is always available, but we must not misuse it. These scenes and its arrangements invite a comparison between two trials. One of Jesus before a powerful high priest and that of Peter before the servants of the high priest. Jesus in the flesh held his ground. Peter did not. Such is the weakness of human nature in our fallen state. We are in the world's courtyard every day. Be it at home, in the work environment, in the socials, wherever you find yourself. Wherever I find myself, stay alert and keep watch. If not, you might have to sacrifice your heart to save face that will bring pain to the heart of Jesus. When you tell the truth, you don't have to worry about it. But when you lie, you should worry about them. Peter's denial only lasts until the eyewitness pointed him out. Your sins shall surely find you out. We don't have to wait to confess sins. When we know we do something wrong, go to the Lord right away. If not, you won't have that peace. God knows everything about us. He sees us through and through. He knows our motives, what we are thinking, 
and the things that troubles us. Peter did weep over his sins, denying his Lord and Master, and our loving Lord sees his heart and will restore him and enable him to serve with great power and blessing, as we will see in John 21. What are some things we can, some lessons we can pick up from here? Now, we can easily blame the opposition authorities for their injustice in condemning Jesus. We must remember that the disciples also contributed to Jesus' pain by deserting him and denying him. They did it. So, as we go from here, I'd like to just leave you with a few nuggets. We are reminded that Jesus is sovereign over all things. We are reminded to take a stand for Jesus. We are reminded not to cave in under pressure for Jesus. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Worship leaders. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we worship the true God, the creator and sustainer of the universe. And Father, thank you for eternal life that is known in you, the true God, and Jesus Christ, your son. Father, we have seen from the scripture what you had to go through, what your son had to go through for us. And we pray, Father, that we'll stand firm when it comes for us to make a case for him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.